Jesus, we thank you for the great exchange. Thank you that you substituted our dirty garments uh, with the blood of Jesus. And that the stain of your blood have dressed us in white, that we are pure as snow. This morning, Lord, we consider the exchange of the cross. We think about the Lamb of God and we behold the Lamb of God in our hearts, in our souls, in our mind this morning as we think of what you have done for each one of us. Lord, the entire world and all of its brokenness, Lord, we stand in awe of you, the risen Lamb of God, who wasn't only slain, but who was risen again on the third day, so that we can have the gift of eternal life, Lord. Thank you that our robes are white because of what you have done, that we are set clean and that we can start afresh in you. And this morning, Lord, as we open up your word and as we study the prophetic image about Jesus, as we see in Isaiah, May our hearts just be set on you like a flint. May our hearts be just captured by you like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 52. And we'll be reading from verse 13 in chapter 52 over into chapter 53 verse 12. And as you get your Bibles ready, I just wanted to give you a little bit of context before we read. This prophecy was written and received first by the people of God, the Israelites, during the time where they were living in Babylonian captivity. It was an extended season for them of pain, oppression, hardship, away from their homeland, away from life as they used to know it. And God sent them this prophetic message about a Messiah that will come to give them hope. And it's so applicable to us today where we are in a time in our world of hardship and pain and difficulty and oppression where things just doesn't feel the way it, is, it ought to feel. I believe this message of Jesus will encourage our hearts in the same way that it did the people back in this day. Now the prophetic word we're going to look at this morning is part of a series of prophetic words written in poetry form about Jesus. And these series are called the Four Servant Songs. Four places in between Isaiah 42 to Isaiah 53, we read about these four servant songs describing to us the Jesus who is to come and what he will do. And if you want to summarize these four servant songs, you could simply say that the first one is about the introduction to the servant. The second one is about the mission of the servant. The third one speaks about the obedience of the servant. And in this morning, we're going to look at the last servant song called the suffering of the servant. One writer describes these servant songs as a series of mountain ranges and this one that we are on today is considered the loftiest peak of messianic prophecy. Other writers consider Isaiah 52 and 53 as the most important prophetic capture in all of the Old Testament. And with this idea of, of a mountain and its lofty peaks, I was reminded last year how Eliana and I uh, for my birthday, I went on a hike in French Hook, and uh, there was a, a specific hike that we took that morning called the Eight Cake Route, which means lookout point. And all throughout our hike, all the way to the top, we were just in awe of what we saw around us. Around every bend and at, around every time we get to a higher elevated point, we were in deep awe of what was happening around us. But there was something that happened when we reached that final point and standing and, and looking over the lookout over the valley in front of us that was just mesmerizing 
And it's my prayer this morning as we, as we open up Isaiah 52 and 53 together and even into Sunday, that you will come up to the peak of His redemption story, that you will climb up this mountain and come and see the view from on top here of what Jesus has done and who He is, that you will let the beauty of Him unfold in front of you and that you would set your eyes away from suffering onto the suffering servant, that you would set your eyes away from your own heart onto the heart of this servant that has come to set us free, that this morning and this weekend we will put our eyes upon Him. So let's read together, starting on Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his fall more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its sharers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for this generation, that he was cut off out from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people, to whom his, the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had not done no violence, nor was there any the seed in his mouth. That's where our reading ends this morning. Let's pray together. Jesus, will you lead us? Holy Spirit, will you reveal to us? And Father, will you just wrap yourself around us this morning as we open up one of the most profound prophecies, probably the most profound prophecies of all time. As we look upon Jesus, the suffering servant who went ahead of us to the cross. And may we end this morning and may we end this weekend completely saying that all we are and our entire being is upon Him. I pray that you would anoint the preaching of your word this morning and it would set us free so that we can be free indeed. In Jesus' name I ask that. Amen. Wow, what a rich, Christ-exalting, heart-wrenching piece of scripture. Every time I read it, I have to read it again and a third time to, to try and understand the depths of it. And 
it is, this morning it feels like an impossible task to try and open all of it up. So I'm simply going to be sharing a few thoughts with you. And then on Sunday, a few more. But in this, we're going to see Jesus and let us see Jesus again. This week, I was, I was on a call with our staff and, and one of our staff members said amidst the, the times that we are in that he is so deeply aware of the goodness of God because he is reminded of the goodness of God at the cross. That God is good because of this prophecy, that God is good because of what Jesus has done. And therefore, let us be reminded of the goodness of God because of this Good Friday morning. Let us look into it again. And this morning I'm going to share just four main ideas from the four, first four stanzas out of this prophetic poem about Jesus. And then we're going to look at a little bit of detail around all of them. But my four ideas that I'm going to share this morning is the surpassing servant, the simple shoot, the smitten substitute, and the silenced shepherd. That's where we're going to be going this morning. So let's start off with the first point. And from the first part that we read together out of Isaiah 52, the suffering servant. This text starts speaking about a servant and a servant who will act wisely, a servant who shall be high lifted up and shall be exalted. Strong imagery throughout this passage. And it's amazing that he would talk about a servant and then later on compare him to a king because in this context, the servant is the one who is lifted up and exalted and not the kings of this world. He was a wise servant, a prospering one, and one that kings, when they understand who he is and see who he is, the Bible says that they will shut their mouths because of him. Just imagine that for a moment, that the kingdoms of this world, when they understand and see who Jesus is, they just go quiet. Even the kingdom of darkness. When the kingdom of darkness see the lordship and the splendor and the glory of Jesus, the servant that is revealed to us, mouths are shut. And I want to encourage us just this morning that mouths are shut in this world that we are in because of Jesus. And that if you put your gaze upon him and understand and see him in this time that we find ourselves in, then the voices around us become quiet. It comes quiet. He surpasses the kingdom of this world. And yet he comes into this world, not as a king, but as a servant. I'm so reminded of Jesus' own words when he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. He could have entered this world as a king. This prophecy could have started speaking about the King of Kings, but it started speaking about the servant, Jesus Christ, who surpasses any kingship, who surpasses anything that human understanding might be used to. And this servant, unlike a king in his own earthly kingdom who demands blood to be spilled for his kingdom, this servant comes and his blood is spilled for all the kingdoms and all the nations of the world. A surpassing servant who comes in and lays down his life so that the nations will be sprinkled with forgiveness. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so amazing to be reminded this morning that when we think of the cross, it's not just a personal moment to accept Jesus, but in the bigger scheme of things, he's coming as a servant to put to quiet all the kingdoms of this world, all the, all the kings of this world, and, and let them be quiet in awe of the surpassing glory of who Jesus is. Upon Him this morning, we put such honor. Upon Him, we put, put such worship that He surpasses anything and everything. 
He surpasses all the kings and kingdoms of this world. He came to serve the nations of the world with the sprinkling of his own blood. That's the first point I wanted to share with us this morning. The surpassing servant. Secondly, and the second part of, of, of this, this, this beautiful poem, and this is the start of chapter 53, talks about a shoot, a little plant shoot growing up from the ground and the simplicity of it. The simple shoot, and again, strong imagery to help us think about the vulnerability of a young plant that is just starting to grow from, ground, from, the, from the ground up. You see, Jesus is compared to this little plant growing up in vulnerability. And to me, this is the quintessence of the humility that Jesus came with. The humble king. Not only the servant king, but the humble king. Who would give up all his rights and all his rule in heaven and the heavenlies to come down to earth and with humility live life as a normal man. This is what the tender shoot refers to. He didn't come with all the glory and the splendor of heaven backing him in. He came with the simplicity as a little plant growing up like a normal man would. He wasn't esteemed, the scripture says, as majestic or royal. In fact, the Lord decided that he would come from, from a back road little town that a lot of people didn't know about and didn't care that much for. So that he would not be esteemed, but he would simply identify with the vulnerability of man. This tender shoot represents that Jesus came to identify with our weakness, with our simplicity, with the ordinary. He came and he said, yes, I came from heaven, but I understand the ordinary world. I understand what it is to just simply from dust live my life up and grow a normal human life. He was acquainted, it says, here in verse 3, with our grief. He was acquainted with our sorrows. So this simple shoot is Jesus in his simplest form as human so that he can relate and identify with our humanity. And again upon him, we have the opportunity to shift our humanity. He came to be despised. He came to be grieved. He came to be sorrowful and identify with us away from the esteem of heaven, away from the majesty of his throne, so that we, because of him, can be esteemed in heaven. That we, because of him, can access the majesty of the throne room of God. The simple shoot that grew in front of us. Then thirdly, the smitten substitute. And this is the piece that describes the cross and what happened before the cross and onto the cross so strongly with such strong language it says that he bore our grief and carried our sorrows so that we did not need to he was smitten and afflicted so that we don't need to be the word smitten is strong it means that he was completely despised completely turned against that he was beaten up that he was pierced for our transgressions and and it's almost as if the prophet is has got so many words to try and prophesy what jesus is going to go through at the cross where we needed to be pierced for our sins and crushed for our shortcomings he was and that's the power of the gospel it's the message of the substitution that jesus took everything upon him that was meant to come our way he is the perfect substitute everything that we deserved 
because of the perfect God who put in place a perfect law that imperfect humans could not follow, he said the only way to fix this problem is to send a substitute that could live according to that law in a flawless way and fulfill all of the law and therefore then die so that everything will be upon him. Jesus is the smitten substitute. And the one verse that just, just stands up so beautifully in this part of scripture is where it says that the chastening was for our well-being. And by his scourging, we are healed. The ESV says it, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. And that word chastisement is a big word. And the best way to explain it is to inflict the rightful corporal punishment. It is to put upon someone their rightful punishment for what they have done wrong. And it says here that the punishment that Jesus received because of all the sin of the world, for a moment imagine your own sin and then think about the sin of this community and then think about the sin of this nation and think about South Africa being in the continent of Africa and think about the continent of Africa's sin and just let your mind go a little bit further and think about all the sins of the world. All of that were placed upon Him with every blow, with every wind, of, 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 with every wound against Him and every time that He was beaten, Every time that he was pierced, he just said peace. He just said healing. He just said restoration. He just said forgiveness. It was all substituted unto him. Colossians 2 says it so beautifully. Nailed upon that tree is the list of all the debts held against us so that we can be set free. The substitute Jesus took upon him every sin, every part of our brokenness, every piece of our pain, every sickness and disease, and He nailed it to the tree. Our punishment placed upon Him, and therefore we are free. So this morning, let's shift again our gratitude upon Him, that He has made the way that no human man could and could ever do. And then lastly, the silenced shepherd. This fourth stanza in this this poem speaks about sheep and immediate, immediately comes to mind all the imagery that the Bible is filled with about the sheep and that being us and the shepherd being the Lord. And we think about how God revealed himself throughout scripture as the good shepherd, Psalm 23. And Jesus later on saying that I am the good shepherd, the sheep hear my voice. But there was a moment in time where the shepherd was silenced. There was a moment in time when he gave up his spirit to face death where we could not hear the voice of the shepherd. And this moment of time was a moment of, of him being silenced, but it was only a brief moment. Because out of that moment of silence burst forth the resurrection again of Jesus Christ. And he is saying to us this morning, out of Psalm 23, that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you do not have to be afraid because I, the good shepherd, have gone before you and I was silenced in death for a moment that you only have to face the shadow of death. He was silenced as he went and faced death for us so that we only need to face the shadow. So this morning we are grateful that this shepherd took upon him that moment of silence where it said that he opened up not his mouth and like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, he was completely quiet 
Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Never did he contend. Never did he try to get out of it. Never did he try to get away from the cross. He said, my sheep, I lay down my life for you. And for a moment, I'm just going to be quiet and face the punishment that was meant to go your way. So that you have a shepherd that can lead you even through the hardest moments in life. And even today, even in what's going on around the world, we have a shepherd that's gone all the way ahead of us, all the way in front of us. And he says, my children, my sheep, do not fear. Even though you walk in that shadow of death, I've overcome death and I've been there and I have stepped out of it victorious. So upon him this morning, we say thank you, Lord, that you have gone ahead, us, ahead of us. We say thank you, Jesus, that you are the surpassing servant above any king and kingdom, that you have been simple like a shoot growing up from the ground in vulnerability to identify with us as humans, not far off that you cannot understand, that you were smitten as a substitute for every punishment that has come and mean to come our way. And that you took a moment of silence to face death. So that we only have to walk through that shadow. And not be afraid. So upon you this morning Jesus. We put all praise and glory and honor. Let's pray together. Jesus we are so in awe of what you've done. We are so in awe that you would have given this prophetic word 700 years before its fulfillment. So Lord, that today, thousands of years later, we know that this is true. Lord, it's, it's proven to be true. It is written down in history to be true. And we thank you, Jesus, that on this Good Friday morning, as we consider the cross, as we consider your body being broken and your blood being shed for us, Lord, we just stand in awe that we, Know that everything that was meant to come our way, all our brokenness and pain and the wrath of God and everything that, that was meant to be punishing us has shifted upon you. Lord, forgive us for the times where we live in the doubt of that, that that could, cannot be true. That it is impossible that Jesus has taken all my sins, that Jesus has taken victory over all my sickness and all my disease. Let us be reminded on this Good Friday morning that you have done a finished work at the cross, Lord. And as we ready our hearts into Sunday and to continue through the last part of this passage, we will see, Lord, how you are seated in your rightful place, reigning and ruling. And that you are all for us and that you are interceding in heaven on behalf of us. And for that, we give you praise this morning, Lord. Come and captivate our hearts, even to a greater extent this morning. Let the scripture become so real to us and let us apply it so that we can be people who say we are set free because the king has set us free and he has done so indeed. Upon you, we shift our lives again this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just wanted to take a moment and say that maybe this morning you have tuned in and you really feel that the word and, and God has been speaking to you. And, and maybe you, you've seen the gospel in a new light. And, and reading these scriptures and understanding a little bit better, you realize the price that Jesus has paid 
for your life. Now, maybe some of you out there that's hearing this message has never made a decision to say, I'm going to shift my life upon Jesus. I'm going to hand over onto Him. And I want to pray for you this morning. And even if you're hearing this message and for, for quite some time in your life, you've been holding on to your own life yourself and trying to make salvation and, and sins of this world all by yourself. And you're just tired and weary and you cannot do it anymore. And maybe you, you're stuck in fear because of what's happening around us and you just don't experience this peace that Isaiah is speaking about. I also want to be praying for you. So wherever you are, if you are in need of prayer, just close your eyes and we're going to be praying together. And uh, I believe that God's going to meet you right where you are at. Let's pray together once more. Jesus, I pray for my friends. Pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, that you would become more real to them in this moment than anything else. Thank you, Jesus, for the good news of your gospel that has gone ahead of us. Thank you that this gospel was preached many years back, even before you arrived. And thousands of years later, Lord, this same gospel is still being preached. And I thank you, Lord, that this morning your gospel is transforming people's lives. Lord, wherever people are there and they are so aware of their sin and their guilt, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would set them free because of what you have done. Wherever you are, just, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my everything. I shift my life upon you. Thank you that you have taken my guilt and my sin and my shame to the cross. This morning, I choose to follow you. This morning, I choose to believe that you have paid the final price. And today, I choose, Jesus, to only follow you and only to be listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Lead me, Jesus. Continue to speak to me. And let my life be yours from this moment forward. Amen. Amen.